Welcome to The Human Beat. I'm Roger Raga. Before we begin today's program, I'd like you to consider supporting all of our local public affairs programming with your membership pledge to Coast Community Radio. This is our spring pledge drive, and we're counting on you to help make it a success. I listen every day, both to KMUN and KCPB. The programming I hear makes my life richer, as I hope it does for you. Decide what amount is comfortable for you, either monthly or one time, and call right now. We're waiting to hear from you at 503-325-0010. Astoria has a warming center to shelter some of the homeless on our coldest and wettest winter nights. It's run mostly by volunteers and has been a lifesaver for many. But when 8 a.m. rolls around, no matter what the weather, everyone has to leave and take their belongings with them. Where do they go then? And what can they do to get off the streets? A gathering of about 45 people considered an answer to that question two weeks ago at a meeting of the Lower Columbia Diversity Coalition. Included were people presently or formerly homeless. The discussion was led by interfaith ministers Nell Moffat and Rick Bowers, along with Alan Evans, Executive Director of Helping Hands. All serve on the Homelessness Solutions Task Force. A group of people from that uh, task force, um, there, were, there were several subcommittees that, that met on specific issues, but a group of us began uh, to meet to say, uh, what kind of action can we take? Um, we had some examples from other cities that uh, have started various um, projects and programs to address the issue. And the, the solution that we seem to um, uh, rally around and think was a doable solution and much needed is the idea of a day drop-in center. Uh, there are examples out there that we can learn from. Currently, I would say that Astoria has, um, maybe we could stretch and say two drop-in centers. One is the library and one is the hospital. Um, but other than that, without paying money, there isn't a place where the homeless can be. Um, so you see them gathering around, and I think that's a problem for some people. Um, and um, it's certainly not a solution for those who are unhoused, unsheltered. So we started um, brainstorming about what a day drop-in center would look like. And uh, thanks to the expertise th on, on this group, uh, particularly I need to acknowledge Elaine uh, from Clatsa Community Action, CCA, and uh, her experience in other places in creating these kinds of things. What uh, we came up with as a concept paper is not just a place for people to hang out, but a place where uh, services can connect with the people who need those services right on location. Right now we have a lot of services that are uh, available. Some are in Warrington, some are in Astoria, some are uh, maybe in Seaside. Um, but it puts the onus on the people who are homeless and sometimes without transportation to go from here to there to here to there. Uh, and back again, uh, and as the story unfolds, and it's never a simple story. 
So uh, we really saw the opportunity of a day drop-in center as a gathering place, a place where people who are homeless uh, can be and have community and interaction and support from the agencies coming to them and meeting them there on the spot. So lots of opportunities for classes, uh, for um, information sharing, for connections, for case, case management, uh, all of the, the things that homeless are needing to, um, to get off the streets, to find housing, to find the support that they need to turn their lives around. And I think uh, several of the people who are here today can tell their success stories, and there are success stories, and that's what this is all about, is really um, creating more success and more avenues for success for those um, who have, are facing difficulties in their lives. You know, justifiably, I think there is a concern about, you know, if we do this, they will come. And But what I want to emphasize is that, from my perspective anyway, the intent is, is great to have a drop-in center, but the idea of co-locating with the social services and getting support for folks and building that trust. I know as we're, when Nell and I are wandering around the streets and talking to folks, trust is a big issue. And if you're shoulder to shoulder, over time that trust can get developed. Well, and I think the, the point of view that I could give on this is, is a little bit about my story and, and where I come from. I was homeless for over 25 years um, in multiple states from the age of 13. Um, and I've been just about at every soup kitchen, every emergency shelter between Pensacola, Florida, and Seattle, Washington. Um, there's a point that comes between the way that people view viewed me and the way that I viewed them. And several times people would sit in front of me and tell me what they believed that I needed. Um, and I would tell them, you know, the truth is, is you have no idea what's going on in my head. I needed mental health services. I needed health insurance. I needed to quit using drugs. Yeah, I needed to quit drinking. Yeah, I needed all of those things. But at the very end, in this in this county here, 17 years ago, I went to every door I could find, said, look, I'm broke, I'm homeless, I'm addicted to methamphetamine, please help me. I tried to get food stamps. They told me I needed ID. I tried to get ID. They told me I needed a residence, wanted a residence, but I had no money. And at that particular moment in my life, crime was a win-win situation. You see, I could commit a crime and follow the same lifestyle I was leading, but if I got arrested, I'd get three meals in a bed in jail. You know, getting arrested became getting rescued. And, and I'll tell you, since, since that day, you know, then I, I came up with the idea of Thugs Off Drugs. Um, I'm not sure if some of you remember that or not, but I started that. I opened up a big building down on the highway and talk about not in my backyard. People were lined up down the street to say, not here. Um, but we held on, and people needed to change their lives and have an opportunity to do that. We're still lacking resources in this community. I got new teeth on Friday, by the way. I had meth mouth for years, and Friday I got my new teeth, so if I'm slurring a little bit or talking like Leonard Nimoy, let me know. <laughs> but what I want to tell you is that we're still lacking resources. Why we have helping hands, why we have the warming center, why we have the resources in this community we have, we are still not in touch with the people who need us the most. We are still not providing services for the people who need us the most. And we need to know a little bit more about it. And I think that, that opportunities for us to have a drop-in center is a great idea.
why we offer resources for a person who's willing to be sober, who's willing not to break the law, who's willing not to be argumentative, we will fight for you and we will help you. Um, but I can tell you, being on the other side of that, there were times that I wasn't capable of doing what I offer today. There's, there's, there's a gap there. We, we look at people sometimes and we say that you're a bad person, but the truth is, is good people go through bad situations and we react wrong. What would you do if you lost everything? That's a serious question. Could you imagine? I mean, it, I, I would say close your eyes and imagine this, but could you imagine not being able to trust or believe or know where your next meal comes from, know how you're going to stay warm, know how you're going to get treated with somewhat of respect? And that's what we need to ask ourselves is how can we provide resources to people who don't trust? I was one of them. And, and I think that, that we need stuff like the drop-in centers so we can have a connection between people who love unconditionally, build a little bit of trust, and then maybe we can find a little bit more data that we need to figure out what resources we can provide. Yeah, one of the things that I want to say is that as we've talked with some people in the community, um, particularly those who don't have direct access to uh, those who are homeless, there, there are stereotypes about who the homeless are uh, that fit various categories and um, uh, freeloaders and uh, they made it they made a choice, therefore, you know, we don't need to help them. Uh, things like that that I hear, they're kind of disturbing. What I've found is that there are multiple communities among the homeless. Uh, there are the freeloaders. There are those who are uh, taking advantage of the system, perhaps, from somebody's perspective. There are also those who are mentally ill. There are those who are Vietnam vets that were trained how to go over and fight, but not trained how to come back and live with uh, their families and, and what they've done. There are people who are handicapped. There are people who are old and sick and uh, couldn't afford rent as it uh, went up. There are families, uh, uh, women who are escaping abusive situations with their children, uh, on and on, multiple reasons and uh, uh, needs for support among the community. So um, I think just like any human community, the diversity is there and the different uh, needs are there. Of a perspective on Clatsop County, in the last year, 1,231 homeless, shelterless people have been referred to our organization. 36% are female, 64% are male. 88% is head of household. 8% are veterans by race, ethnicity, by age group. 26 to 55, 64%. 56 and older. We had an 18% increase in seniors needing assistance into our organization this last year and a 30% increase in families needing assistance. 42% of the people do not have a picture ID. 64% don't have a driver's license. 36% don't have a social security card. If you don't have a social security card and a picture ID, you cannot get employment. Chronically homeless, 
or 32% of the people who walk through our door have been homeless more than twice in the last year. 40% have some sort of, of an alcohol or a drug issue. Correctional status. You know, 17 years ago, this number was 95%. The face of homelessness has changed in the last 10 years. 19% of the people who come to our door have a criminal history. That's a staggering number. Here's the one that just blows me away. 24% of the people who walk through our door have been diagnosed with a mental illness. Our studies are showing right now 5% of those people have been treated. Think of that. Think of not being able to access the stuff that you need to be okay. 16% are victims of domestic violence. So we're going to hear from Kurt right now. Hi, my name's Kurt. Um, just kind of wanted to say what my situation was. Uh, mine comes from addiction, and I was down and out, gave up on absolutely everything. The s smallest thing, the hope, the people there for me when I needed, filling empty bellies was there. Uh, the people in the community, different people, businesses, uh, uh, just say hi to made a big difference in my life and made me uh, more able to stand up uh, a year ago I would not be here um, <laughs> guaranteed and it's all through the support system of people around here uh, it's not uh, just one organization um, I come from a little town called Elsie outside of Seaside uh, a long career of uh, carpentry um, and drugs and alcohol got a hold of me where I just gave up everything and came to Astoria. I found a very tight-knit community of local people that uh, kept me afloat. If I did not have this group of people, I would not be here today. Uh, filling empty bellies. Um, I've known of thugs off drugs since way, way back when. Uh, and I just wanted to let people know that it is very much needed. Yeah, I just want to say we're also lucky in this community uh, with the policing that, that's here. Uh, I think it was just this last week I was in the, the library where I spent a lot of time for the Internet and a lot of homeless in the, the library. And just Kenny was in there and the reaction when Kenny was there and I know one person you know, kind of ran across the room and said, I love you, Kenny. And... <laughs> <laughs> It's very unique, and also there was a person on the street that uh, I couldn't figure out how to help, and the chief of police, Jeff, I mean, how many communities does the chief of police give out a cell phone number to basically everybody? And, you know, I called him up, and he spent 15 minutes on the phone with me as we were trying to brainstorm what to do about this, and so this is, this is unique. Uh, yeah, and they're here today. So one of the things that I want to address is uh, some issues in the community around having homeless uh, or a drop-in center in their community, in, in their neighborhood. Uh, there's some concerns about congregating and trash and things like that. The warming center has um, had this issue, had to uh, address this issue through its development and developed a good neighbor agreement. and. Um, I think 
uh, now there's good relationships with the neighbors. There's, uh, there isn't the trash around. There aren't the needles and the feces and all of that stuff being found because the, the, uh, the warming center um, volunteers and staff and homeless patrol the area and clean it up. Just this week, Rick and I visited a place in Portland uh, called Join. It's a, a drop-in center. They have a different kind of um, neighborhood agreement. This is with their clients, with their guests. Uh, they say, please be a good neighbor. And they have a map showing their neighborhood. And they have a set of guidelines not just within the center itself, but in the neighborhood surrounding. No drinking or drug use, no illegal activity or hostile behavior of any kind, no camping, either with a bedroll or in a vehicle. You may not hang out on Joins property before opening hours or after uh, closes. No parking or hanging out in the parking lot to our east uh, in the uh, businesses surrounding the property. This is um, guidelines for the, the clients to be good neighbors, uh, not just the relationship with the neighborhoods of the um, neighbors of the organization. And I think that this um, really helps to create a, a more welcoming environment and supportive environment when there's mutual respect there. Waking up in the morning and not knowing what you're going to do or where you're going to go hang out it's frustrating and it's stressful because you get these looks from people through town when like you're sitting down at the old Safeway parking lot where a lot of us do hang out when it's nice the pe there are people yes there are people who will come up and say hi but then there are people that will give you just the dirtiest looks and it's degrading for the people who actually are homeless and I think that if we did have a day shelter it would make people feel a lot better about themselves not having those looks being pretty much thrown at them throughout the day. Hey, I'm Vern Hall. So this is about Ronnie Fisher, Teresa the Pink Tornado, Anne from Canada. So many people here in Astoria have died on the streets. So when I became homeless after my career ended, I was pretty devastated. I didn't know what to do, so I started talking to my friends that I knew for a long time. What can we do? What can we do to change? Where's, you know, because there's a gap in the system. There's a lot of people on the street that have lost trust in people, and people on the street form together as a family. So the idea of a concept of a daytime drop-in center come up because, after all, I had a good career. I lived in one of the nicest houses up on the highest point in town, and then I become homeless, boom, without even being prepared. That was quite a shock, so it could happen to anybody. And the thing is, you wake up in the morning and you're homeless, where do you go, what do you do? A lot of people have nowhere to go. They have no hope. They hang out downtown. We all get drunk, but it's not a productive system. It's not a productive thing. So if you had a place that you could, people could go, you get people off the streets to help build the facility that gives them ownership in the place that's being established. You get people to help 
make coffee in the morning, you find out who the coffee lovers are. You ask them to be on the coffee committee. After all, you get the first cup of coffee. And then, and then you got people that, that now I get up in the morning, now I got a purpose. I got something to do. You got people sitting around watching TV. You got people playing board games and cards. Because after all, a lot of people in town don't like looking at you because you're homeless. So you're hanging out with your friends, building a camaraderie amongst your community. And you learn from each other and you help each other out because that's just how it goes. Because ain't nobody else helping you out. And then you get your lunch program where it's either prepared or served there. You get people that are hanging out, willing to volunteer and help out. That gives them purpose. You just build from that and grow out. With the drop-in center, you could help build, first off, motivation and self-worth. You could help build them their work skills. You could help build into being more productive and happy about yourself just from a hands-up, not a hands-out program. So that's where the whole concept comes from. There's a lot of people like me who have skills remodeling. I did 18 years building maintenance management. I did 14 years landscaping. I've done a series of appliance repair school. I've rebuilt vacuum cleaners, auto mechanics. I know how to paint, cement masonry, rock walls. There's so many things that other people could teach other people and then build up their self-worth and their self-skills and get them off the street because now they're doing something productive, feeling good about themselves. Thanks for your time. One of the things that I want to say is that when, uh, when we are in, not in safe situations as human beings, when we're not in safe, secure situations, we go into, our brain goes into fight, flight, freeze. That's not the cognitive part of the brain. It's in the back part of the brain, fight, flight, freeze. Our cognitive functions are in the frontal lobe. So when we are in fight, fright, fight, flight, <laughs> freeze, <laughs> our problem-solving skills are not accessible to us. That's a human design factor. It's not uh, characteristic of any one population. All of us are in that kind of thing. So when we see sometimes people who are homeless unable to solve problem, the basic problems of living, yeah, there, there are situations that are hard to solve, but also their capacity is not present in, at that time until they have that safe foundation, that community of support that helps them get back into their problem-solving brain. Uh, we've got the concept, uh, looks like we've got some support, we certainly have the need. Uh, so then it, to make it real, we need location building, we need funding, uh, we need people who have skills in obtaining funding and who know people who uh, are interested in providing funds. We need someone uh, who maybe can help setting up the nonprofit, doing the 501c3 and all of the, the paperwork involved in that. There's a lot of work that needs to be done um, to um, pave the way. Here we are at this point, and it's going to be a community effort to put this together. It's not just any one person or even the group that we have now. Hi, Kenny. I just want to say we love Kenny. <laughs> 
I forgot to say that last time I was talking, but no, Kenny Kenny Hansen is is an amazing human, and thank you for your support over all these years. You're you're our go-to man. Um, Kenny swings by the park and has lunch with us sometimes. I make him eat cookies and stuff. Um, no, sorry, the park the park is is great. We take great responsibility in cleaning up that park. Um, again, filling empty bellies itself is actually run by the people that that we're feeding <laughs> and advocating for. So because of that vested interest, I mean, everyone knows when lunch is over, that park better be clean or they have to see angry Aaron. It's like not pretty. <laughs> but for real, no, the, um, yeah, it, we haven't had problems. We haven't had problems. Um, we clean up, we take responsibility, self-respect. You know, that's our spot. That's where we eat. So we all care. And I'm Jeff Spalding. I'm the police chief here in town. And I really thought that I could probably come here and just kind of not blend in and just kind of <laughs> you know, sit in the back and just listen because that was my intent. I just really wanted to come and learn more about this. I'm clearly not an expert in this. And the more we know about uh, programs like this to help uh, individuals who are experiencing homelessness, the better. But with that being said, uh, you know, well over a year ago, about a year ago, November, you know, I, I did ask Mayor Lemire at the time about reestablishing the homelessness task force. So um, that's what we did. And we've had over the last year, we've had a lot of good meetings and we've really built some really good relationships and we've had some good work that's come out of some of the subcommittees. One of the things that I have said from the very beginning is being homeless is, is homelessness is not a crime. And, and really that's been our approach from day one. We also understand that one size doesn't fit all. Not everybody is, everybody is homeless for a variety of reasons. We've heard that in here today. And we also understand very clearly that it's just a very small portion of the population of individuals that are homeless are creating some of the behavior issues that we see if we get calls. As you guys might imagine, anytime that there is a problem in the community or somebody sees a, you know, homeless or any individual doing something inappropriate, uh, even if it's something that's really not in our lane, the police get the call. So we get these calls all the time. And you, you might imagine it is frustrating for officers and that they have to go out there and deal with someone who may have defecated an alley or, or those types of things. But really what we're trying to do is address the behavior. And when we talk about addressing the behavior, it's not the behavior of homeless people, it's the behavior of anybody that's doing things that are inappropriate. And these are the thing that are, things that are frustrating the downtown business owners and other people that live in the community. And these are the things that we have to address because we get the calls. We also have a, a substantial portion of our population that is looking to us to do something about these problems. But I also knew from day one as well that anything that we can do to make this problem better is going to help us in the long run. If we can get people into services, if we can treat people humanely, and if we can do things that um, get people their their identity back, to get them their uh, get them gainful employment, those types of things, our calls will be reduced. So again, it, it's a multi-prong approach, at least from the police department's perspective. There's just a very small portion of it that we still have to deal with the behavior, and we will continue to do that. And I think at the end of the day, I think that's what everybody in this room wants. You know, even, you know, some of the people that have spoke, some of the people experiencing homelessness, they want that too. They want, they don't want that reputation. And again, it's probably just a handful of people that are causing most of the problems. And, and we get that. You've been listening to a discussion of homelessness and the wish for a drop-in center in Astoria, which took place at a meeting of the Lower Columbia Diversity Coalition. This is The Human Beat. And I'm Roger Rocca. And we're deep in our spring membership drive. 
If you enjoy being informed by the local public affairs programming on Coast Community Radio, I hope you'll say so right now with your membership pledge. Decide what amount is comfortable for you, either monthly or one time, and grab your phone. We're waiting to hear from you at 503-325-0010. Thanks for listening.